Hey folks, it's Alan. I appreciate your support by listening to our podcast. There's a lot of effort and preparation that goes into each and every episode. It gives us the opportunity to talk about why these films may be important to us as Asian Americans. And you know, hopefully you share some of our feelings too. We'd love if you could come support our show by becoming our patron. By supporting our show, you'll help cover some of the production costs that comes from recording virtually and releasing our episode to your favorite podcast app. If you're able to support us, go to realasianpodcast.com forward slash support and become a patron today. Hey, Baldwin. I'm sad. What? Why, Ray? Because I'm trying to plan this special occasion for my boo but I'm having the hardest time figuring out what to do and where to do it. Well, have you thought about maybe a picnic? Picnics are great because you get to get some fresh air while you enjoy some good company. A picnic? Sounds great. I don't want to throw just any old picnic. I want to make it sure it's fun and, you know, IG worthy. Well, Ray, what about Experiences by K? Experiences by K will take care of the planning, organizing, and execution of the picnic while you and your friends just sit back and enjoy. These picnics also come with themes. What? That sounds amazing! Where can I find this? That's right, Ray. Go to experiencesbyk.com and check out the themes and what each picnic offers. Then make your reservation. It's super easy. Wow. I am so glad we ran into each other today totally unplanned. Welcome to Real Asian Podcast, everyone. I am joined today with Alan and Baldwin. What's up, fellas? What's going What's on? What's up, Raymond? Baldwin, good to see you guys again. You too. Good to see you guys. So we are doing a spoiler-free discussion and review of Minari. So all three of us actually got an early screener of the movie. We're just going to kind of talk about the movie in general terms. We won't give away too much if we, uh, so we won't give any kind of spoilers away, but we wanted to talk about mainly of our feelings and what to kind of expect going into the movie. Um, you shouldn't be on the fence if you're planning on watching the movie, but if you are, we're going to hope that this may convince you a little bit. So uh, let's just go through initial feelings. I'll, I'll actually start off here. First thought that kind of came to mind with the movie is I definitely resonated with the struggles that were captured in Minari. One of the things it reminded me of in my childhood were definitely the roller coaster moments that I experienced. You know, there's highs and lows and kind of sporadic memories here and there. And oftentimes, in hindsight, we tend to uh, remember the good stuff. There were parts in the movie where I thought to myself, oh, I definitely did that, or I definitely did something like that, or I can definitely relate. There were moments that showed mischievousness, heartbreak, hopelessness, terror even. If you guys know what I'm talking about, I was kind of like, whoa. <laughs> um, it's definitely a roller coaster of a movie. While it was a great movie, I, it didn't actually emotionally hit me as hard as I expected it to. And I'll go into that a little bit later and I'll explain. One thing that if, I, if it's something that you guys caught too, was how it explored masculinity in a way, not necessarily being a central focus of the movie, but it did come up in my mind. I thought, and I thought that was, that was like that was pretty interesting uh, in terms of what it means to be a man, right? And how it how it was defined back then, what it typically looks like in the context of an immigrant family, and I think there were moments. Uh, again, I have to be careful not to give away. <laughs> there were certainly clashes of 
culture and also like just general gender norms, right? If I were to sum this movie up in two words without any spoilers, it would be uh, beautiful and heartbreaking. While watching the movie, it made me feel nostalgic for my own childhood. And, and you know, when you're when you're thinking back about your own childhood, you tend to have this like rose-colored glasses on right. your memories of it. The the film was shot as if it made it feel as if like a, a man looking back in his past of thinking what his life was like, like highlighting the main points. Because when I was watching the movie, it's very um, I'm going to use a business term here, very milestone driven. Every single scene mm-hmm. like drove the story forward in a very significant way. And when you're thinking back about your childhood, there's a lot of those moments where you just say, wow, gosh, like I remember this specific instance that happened in my life that caused this, that caused X, Y, Z. And as I was watching the film, I just couldn't stop thinking about, man, what a beautiful, beautifully written story. The acting was absolutely phenomenal. And, um, and I've been a big fan of Steven Yuen for quite some time because of The Walking Dead before his head got bashed in with the skull or head got bashed in. Spoiler alert. All right, Pete, to my man, Glenn, Glenn you're everything. the best. Uh, but yeah, it was so great. And I, I just want to say that, I mean, this is the movie that I thought Tiger Tail was going to be like. Mm. So I'm going to put it right out there. I thought Tiger Tail was going to be of this magnitude. And I felt that this movie absolutely captured the highs and lows of reminiscing on your past and the challenges of an immigrant family coming to the United States. I, I really felt that in this movie more so than I did with Tiger Tail. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a beautiful movie. I really enjoyed watching it. I felt it was a really endearing, emotional film that really tells a pretty simple story, but it's a universal one. But just like the both of you, I really definitely related to a lot of the moments growing up in an Asian household. You know, in terms of the filmmaking, it's it's excellent direction in cinematography. You don't need these fast cuts or these big set pieces. Instead, it has like these long takes that just lets you sit there with the characters, with that family, and lets you be a part of this family just as a watchful observer. Mm-hmm. And you could really feel what they're feeling. And I agree, the acting is just top notch. Each of the characters, they had their own story, and they really express it pretty beautifully. Um, you know, in, in terms of the what I think is culturally significant significant about this movie is it's a normal tale, like I said, of, of a family struggle. It's just that they're Korean. Um, right. There's no huge, profound, new message that, that it tries to bring forth. It's, uh, it's rather a simple one, but it's still powerful. And by doing this, it really illuminates the Asian American experience mm-hmm. of immigrating and assimilating, and it really normalizes it to the point where it becomes a part of the narrative of Americana, um, so to speak. So it really isn't just a Korean or Asian story. It's an American one more than anything, one that many, many Americans have lived through. Yeah, I really appreciated that this film was made and it exists for Asians and non-Asians um, to, to see and be proud of. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think the movie went out of its way to tie in specific Korean cultural aspects to. Uh, I think I'm sure there are subtleties that we may have picked up as Asians, probably more so if we were also Korean American. But I don't, I didn't get the feeling that Chung was trying to push or like sell a specific Korean American story. Definitely just an uh, an American story that happens to center around a Korean American film. Alan, I want to 
go back to what you said. Why compare this film with Tiger Tail? That's a good question. Um, so what made me automatically compare it to Tiger Tail was, you know, first off, I'll, I'll say the perception, right? The leading up to the movie, and then of course the actual movie itself. So leading up to both movies, of course, um, Alan Yang is a great director, a great actor as well. Um, and the movie that he was building was, you know, so hyped up to like, this is the absolute best way to tell a normal, as Baldwin said earlier, a normal American story. They just so happen to have Asian people in it. Um, so that you have that marketing. And then the market on this particular movie was it's a, it's an American movie that happens to feature people who are not white that it tells a classic American dream story. And so you have almost yeah. the same similar approach on the marketing side. And now in terms of the movie, I felt that uh, one of the challenges that I had, and if you listen to our podcasts on this episode uh, or on uh, Tiger Tail, one of the things that we that I had a criticism of was there were a lot of instances in which I felt the movie didn't flesh out the relationships of the characters or certain key characters as much as I wanted it to. There were scenes in the movie where if they just had a couple more impactful moments of dialogue, then it could really drive the point home. But in this movie, without spoiling anything, you really have the opportunity to explore uh, relationships amongst key characters, uh, uh, parent-child relationships, parent-parent relationships. And you have all these dynamics at play where you have varying personalities going against each other that isn't in and of itself unique to Asian-Americans. But the fact that it had Asian Americans in it while telling an American story led me to think, gosh, like this is everything that I wanted from Tiger Tail. And I just didn't get it. Not that Tiger Tail is bad. It's just that if those are the things or the themes that you cared about wanting to or going into Tiger Tail, you will definitely get those if you uh, watch uh, Minari. So I hear what you're saying. I do get that sense. And we were saying in our Tiger Tail episode that even though the movie intended to be about uh intended to focus on grover played by time off uh we were we were saying oh you know this his daughter character is really interesting and serves as a very compelling storyline but it wasn't explored enough Mm -hmm. so it was just like a missed opportunity for us so i kind of see that too i guess that's a fair comparison (laughs) It's, it's a it's a fair comparison in my mind but you're saying minari gets uh gets the edge compared to compared the two i mean i will say that i mean tiger tail in and of itself is a fantastic i still think it's a fantastic movie it's just that when viewed in the lens of wanting to see dynamics fleshed out between parent and child or you know internal growth i felt as if minari provided better roi Mm -hmm. return on the investment every character felt uh, every character's growth felt earned felt well-deserved, and you got to see uh, the dynamics play out. But in Tiger Tail, still a fantastic movie. I just felt as if it's like jumped the shark a bit. Like there's certain things where I'm like, I don't know if I believe that. It's not convincing enough for me. And I think I wished there was just a bit more scenes of two characters together that would have warranted some of the dynamics that we saw played out in the movie later on. I did. I was, you guys are going to hate me. I actually did. haven't seen Tiger Tail yet. So how dare you? I can't. Oh, my God. The comparison. <laughs> I know. Dishonored. <laughs> so shameful. It's okay. It's okay. Following, what do you think of the casting for Minari? Um, I thought it was really excellent. And I agree with what you said about, you know, Steven Yeun, he's marketed as the star of the film, but the, the weight of, of the characters, I'd say, is 
definitely equal, equally distributed um, across all all the um, the family members, except for I'd, I'd say this, the little sister didn't get as much character development. <laughs> She's kind of in a background, yeah. um, but but definitely like each of the characters have their own motivations. Jacob, he's driven by his need to succeed, his need to provide for his family. Monica, on the other hand, it was an amazing performance. And then you get the uh, the kid. He's like so adorable. The son, Alan Kim. Yeah. Shout out, super cute. Yeah, yeah. David. David is a character played by Alan Kim. Yep. There you go. What I take away from it is, um, I definitely related to a lot of what he went through, like his relationship with his grandma. Mm-hmm. The casting was just top notch. I felt superb. I think the casting was great. Wow, I just noticed he already has an Instagram page. Oh, he does? Managed by his parents. Really? And his sister is also an uh, okay. uh, upcoming actress as well. Her family's on the come up. Damn. The the son was definitely adorable, but he also was a nuisance at times in the movie. He's annoying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it could be annoying at times. You know, he's definitely a prankster. The grandma, very quirky in her own way, but very endearing. As with kind of all grandmas in a way, I think about my own grandma. The dynamic between Jacob and Monica, very convincing in terms of the struggles that they have. And, you know, it does, the movie does explore some of the challenges that a marriage can have of immigrants trying to make their way. Uh, they definitely had great on-screen chemistry, though. Yeri Han and Steven Yeun. Mm-hmm. So credit both of them. Great actors. Multiple parts. Pivotal scenes that illustrate really their journey. And you kind of get a sense that their relationship in the movie, even before the actual movie itself, um, Lee Isaac Chung did a great way of kind of setting it up, setting us up that this couple has gone through a lot, and and now we're kind of getting to see this crucial time in their marriage and also in their family, and then we're kind of like, what happens from here, you know? I also heard that one of the reasons why they were so close is that it, it was a really small set, and they pretty much spent all mm. their time together. After each day of filming, I heard that they would all have meals together and just like go over their lines mm. and sort of the psychology of what these characters were going through at the time. So it's definitely a credit to the director, Lee Isaac Chung, and the visions of, of uh, the actors themselves. One shout out I wanted to give Paul, the, uh, the farm helper, mm-hmm. very quirky, eccentric. Oh, dude, he was my interesting character. He was one of my MVPs. Played by Will Patton. AKA Coach Yost. Coach. Coach. <laughs> oh, man. When I saw that, I was like, oh, shit, it's Coach Yost. Flash I was like, back. remember the Titans? I had to go back and watch Remember the Titans. He has my all favorite line in, the, in Remember the Titans. I don't want them to gain another yard. You blitz all night. If they cross that line of scrimmage, I'm going to take every last one of y'all out. You make sure they remember forever. The night they played the Titans. Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, Coach Yells. Great movie. Great movie. Why, why is he your MVP, Alan? I'm going to try to avoid as much plot as possible. Um, he, I will say he's my absolute MVP, but he's like up and coming. He's not the Heisman winner, but he's definitely like right behind. <laughs> he was, he's not Reggie Bush, but he's the... Oh, God, who, who came in second? Like six man, of, six man of the year? Yeah, there you go. Like Kobe when <laughs> he got six man of the year. Um, <laughs> I, I, without revealing too much about the plot, I, I think why he was my MVP was um, uh, he was a very eccentric character that supported the family without knowing that he supported the family and he was always trying to encourage them and he kind of acted as this 
sort of this middle ground between the big dynamics between the two parents. Every single scene was very important to move the rest of the plot on. I'm thinking about the scene like, oh gosh, I can't say it. But anyways, I'm thinking about a scene (laughs) where he played a very important part of moving the story forward. And then, of course, like something big happens the following moments. Um, and, um, <laughs> one thing mm-hmm. leads to another. One thing leads thing to happens, another. You know and then, boom, the movie's over. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, um, at the end of the day, like the MVPs are the, the, the main family. But I felt that he worked as a great auxiliary character that, helps, um, that helped elevate the rest of the cast to a new level. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Who is the audience for this movie? Who should go watch this movie? I would say it would be, I mean, it's kind of a cop-out to say everyone, but I would say anyone who cares about family dynamics and then wants to see a movie that's able to stand on itself without having, like Baldwin said, a huge set, crazy uh, set pieces or anything like that. This is a movie to its core that tells uh, a story about a family who left everything they knew to try to build something else in a foreign area. Uh, but how does that, how does picking everything that you knew and going to a new spot in your life, how does that affect your family? And how do you maintain that relationship while also pursuing your own dreams and your own passions? And how does that conflict with something that, that you have obligation for, like your family? So those of you who want to see family dynamics, drama and beautiful storytelling this is definitely the movie for you it's really down to earth to me um anyone who wants to feel connected to humanity who doesn't who isn't looking for like these big action sequences but wants wants you to feel empathy with the characters and once you connect to connect with them the the struggles that they do go through are, it's very human it's you feel the the emotions that they're going through best type of person to go see this film is someone from an immigrant background, whether they're first generation child of immigrants or they're an immigrant themselves. I think the experience can definitely be uh, connected with those same people who may resonate a similar experience in their upbringing, especially if you come from a non-wealthy background. The common struggles that the family kind of goes through, just the the journey and and the hardships that the family goes through to improve their quality of life. Set in a time of 1980s Arkansas, um, the time period may not be relatable, but the sentiment can definitely still be felt. There's there's really not a ton happening. You're just going through what this family goes through. It's it's not even showing everything that they go through. It's more of like the highs and lows, how they how they um, respond to that. The focus and intention is going to be on understanding these characters. Um, and the internal conflicts that they have and having that play out on the screen. Let me say this. What the audience should expect coming into this film is it should not represent this, this for Asian, for those of us who are Asian Americans or Asian immigrant or whatever. This is not the movie for us to be like, this erases all need for future representation of us. No, I, I think, I think coming into this movie, we have to take it for what it is in which it's a, a beautiful story about a very real family that, that definitely happened, I mean, to the director, um, but it's a story that every Asian American family has kind of been through. But it also doesn't mean that this is a movie that's going to be the saving grace, uh, because I don't believe in that type of movie for Asian Americans. So for those Asians of us, or, or us Asians, 
don't expect this movie to be uh, to be the apex of all Asian American movies. View this movie as a stepping stone in the right direction of what great representation looks like and what real Asian American stories, specifically immigrant Asian American stories, actually look like. And for the non-Asian um, uh, Asian American audiences, what they should know coming into this movie is to watch it with an open perspective and to put themselves right. into uh, for, like Asians' shoes and walk a mile in them. Because I think this movie portrays that very well. There's certain scenes where like casual racism is shown, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it makes you feel a bit uncomfortable as an as me as an Asian American. But then on top of that, it made me realize, you know, honestly, this was kind of a bit of my reality. Yeah, um, it's how it was. Yeah, it's how it was. And mm-hmm. to the non-Asian American audiences, come into the movie knowing that it might make you feel a little uncomfortable, but that's what we've experienced growing up. And mm. I I invite those audience members coming in to expect to feel that a bit of uneasiness. You reminded me how you touch upon uh, Lee Isaac Chung kind of pulled from his childhood. Um, one of the interesting things, uh, he wanted to make this film when he started to make films, uh, but he decided to just do other stories. He finally took time to search through his childhood memories and he came up with about I think it was 80-ish memories, just random memories that uh, during his upbringing. And, you know, although Minari draws heavily from those memories, he still took creative liberties to tell a story and create a narrative versus just recreating specific moments of his life. Yeah, like you said, the casual racism, you know, the movie centers around a Korean-American family in rural Arkansas during the 1980s. So I definitely came into it thinking, oh, here we go. There's going to there's gonna be scenes where it's going to be overt racism, right? Contemptuous mm-hmm, right. racism. Um, surprisingly, there wasn't. And while there were scenes that delves into it a little bit, into the topic, it, it does so in a way where it's not so as malevolent. It's like not deliberate. It, it was shown in a way that was kind of just ignorant, but like, innocently ignorant in a way not like mm-hmm. bigotry ignorant exactly right and and he kind of he does it in a way where you kind of understand where you're like oh yeah i mean this is probably the only asian family that this this small town has seen first time in their life and it wasn't as bad as probably I- ever <laughs> so probably ever uh yeah and you know they were probably that was probably you know the worst of it i hope any oscar worthy performances that you want to give I mean, definitely uh, Monica's role, she's the strength and resilience that she shows um, in trying to play this motherly role, this this role of this wife, but still having the strength to voice her opinion. And she's not afraid to uh, fight for it with, with Jacob. Um, I really thought her performance was just really, really good, spectacular. The, the emotion that she shows um, and, and the strength and resilience in her character. I I will say that there was no one performance that extremely stood out to me where I was like, wow, I need to give this person an award other than Alan Kim, because maybe I'm just biased because he has my name and then two, he's really cute. Um, (laughs) I would definitely give it to the grandma. She for sure, in my opinion of viewing the movie, one, brilliant acting, uh, two, uh, comes in like in the little bit after the beginning of the movie and then quickly like everything in the movie accelerates based off of mm-hmm. her dynamic with the family and 
just the fact that she's able to convey the emotions, the dynamics within the parents and the kids very well, uh, and then leading up to a very pivotal scene in her character arc, two of them actually, I felt that she did an excellent job not just acting her role, but then also make it very convincing to uh, folks who have ha- uh, lived with a grandma before. Yeah. Excellent, excellent acting. I'm going to go a hot take. I don't think anyone deserves an individual acting award mm. in this movie and that is because oh, there's, i don't ensemble. think any, <laughs> i don't think any character carried the the movie he, as i mentioned before steven yun is a big star but he, he didn't steal any screen time he didn't shine through this movie and i think that was intentional i just think that no one person uh deserves an award that's not to say if they do win an award i'm going to be like they didn't get it i just felt personally felt like it was a team effort you know, no MVPs on that team, but they they won the chip. So uh, that's how I felt. I don't think anyone won a won a deserves a specific Oscar. Uh, yeah, Oscar moment, and we'll probably save the Golden Globe stuff for the deep dive episode, so we won't yeah. go into that Bullshit. too much. Yeah, yeah. No one in the movie here was like you're cool from Princess Mononoke. <laughs> <laughs> no, My you're MVP cool. Pick. Uh, this episode is going to come out before that Princess Mononoke. Damn. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, you're cool. What the hell is he talking about? <laughs> uh, it's very similar to like, you know, when the Legion of Boom played Denver Broncos. Like, no, like no one, like uh, who got a mm-hmm. camp? It wasn't Camp Chancellor who got the MVP, but I, I forgot who it was, but no one deserved it. Other than like, they should have just been like the defense. No, it was, it was either Bobby Wagner or uh, Malcolm Smith. It was those. Bobby Wagner. It was Bobby Wagner because he had like, he picked up, like, he picked up a couple of uh, fumbles. But anyways, it's similar to that vein of like, it, it really took a team effort to, to blow out the Denver Broncos. They blew out Peyton Manning in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a team effort and there wasn't one character that overshadowed the movie because like you both said, like Steve Nguyen, although I'm pretty sure it was the highest build uh, actor. I mean, yeah, he was important, but like the movie, there were certain key points where he wasn't needed. And yeah. I thought that was excellent. Um, yeah, Legion of Boom. Great job. MVP there. <laughs> this movie's a Legion of Boom. And yeah, I mean, also, it reminded me, another thing that people should know going to the movie is to read up about the Golden Globe controversy. Um, basically, it's this movie was nominated for Best Foreign Film and not Best Picture because it's majority Korean. Um, and so it talks about people were kind of upset because it's like, what the fuck? It's in America and it's based, it's like super American story. So how is this a foreign film? They didn't so. say that about Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely more, uh, more discussions to be had about that. All right, let's take a break and we'll be back shortly. Hey listeners, it's Baldwin here. If you love listening to our podcast, please like, follow, and comment on all of our posts. All of that increases our visibility and our brand so that more people can find us and help us grow our podcast. We'll go through two of my takes. Big takeaways going to the movie without giving away. It definitely had a lot of emotions, but it wasn't so emotional for me. And I mentioned this in the, at the top of the pod. Again, let me reiterate, Minari is a great film. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Lee Isaac Chung did an amazing job telling this story based heavily from his childhood. Definitely able to capture the feelings that I felt 
growing up in an immigrant family. So in that sense, Minari was masterful. Perhaps the most surprising thing I noticed about the movie was actually my experience watching it. It wasn't as emotional as I expected it to be. So going into this movie, I felt like I was wanting to cry. Now, I rarely cry for movies. In fact, the closest I came to crying was Remember the Titans. (laughs) 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 Um, Again, I don't know why. I expected to have tear-jerking moments, and I just didn't have any. It just didn't call for that. Um, That's not to say that the movie was missing anything Mm -hmm. or lacking in some way. I think just coming into this movie, I had all these high hopes that there would be moments that would cut to my core. And that might have had a little bit to do with the hype, um, but it just wasn't there. It could be intentional. I think that Chung wanted to convey hope, inspiration, resiliency, the, the, the themes that kind of come out of this movie, which it definitely did. So maybe I just kind of came in with the wrong expectation, but definitely no, no moments where I was like holding back tears. There's tons of moments that I could relate to. It made me feel emotional because I do remember those times I had with my grandma, um, those, those times that, you know, me and my, my, my brother were just at home by ourselves while my mom was working and we just had to do what we had to do. Um, there was, I feel like it was fairly balanced in terms of the emotional aspect of it. There weren't too many high or low moments, um, except for maybe the ending. I, I definitely felt emotion. I just didn't, like you said, had that huge emotional tearjerker moment that, that was overwhelming. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll quickly say this. I, I think what we need to do is decouple the idea of crying equals great movie. Mm. I mean, that, that's the general takeaway is, gosh, if you cry, it's an amazing film. Well, I watch Marley and Me twice and I cry every single time <laughs> again and again and again. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't make Marley and Me a better movie than, uh, than Minari, for example, because mm-hmm. the, the reason why people cry is because it hits them on an emotional level that's deep to their own core values that is sensitive. So I'm, I'm just a cold son of a bitch, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, and I think what Minari is beautiful at executing is um, hitting all those trigger buttons, but then not necessarily deep enough to trigger a crying emotion. It's meant to really put you in a position of reminiscing about your own past and yeah. then also putting you in uncomfortable com- uh, positions of what life was like back then for, you know, I'm just going to say foreigners who were in a white land in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't mean that um, crying equates greatness in a film were you talking about marley and me or <laughs> yeah well marley and me is still great i still give it 10 out of 10 but in a different scale it's like 10 out of 10 in the in the g league but yeah. you know minari was like uh I, I give it like an 8 out of 10 in the nfl <laughs> is that a different <laughs> levels? There's levels to this right right there's levels yeah same thing with remember the titans i mean it's not that great of a movie but for some reason hey, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> I know. that's a great movie i don't know what you're talking about yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, there are certain things that didn't age well, but uh, right. I mean, I guess it was the times <laughs> of the movie. But another thing I have for this movie, part of the success, I think, is the timeliness of this movie. As we mentioned multiple times before, and you guys have talked about Asian Americans were once again targeted in America's like orbital moments of racism and discrimination throughout our history. 
coupled with the splintering of our country's politics and democratic ideologies, Minari kind of serves as this cooling agent to remind us how important humanity is and what makes this country what it is, which is a work in progress. The Yi family shows us that in times of despair, in times of hardship, and we need to lift each other up regardless of your background, creed, beliefs. And you see that with the family's interaction with the town. One of the most charming things about this movie is Will Pan's character, Paul, and Yoon Young-jung's character, uh, Sunja, the grandma. Um, they really bring a Southern charm to this movie in, in very unique ways, uh, which is very mm-hmm. purposeful, I think. Uh, and they, they show us why it's important to be kind, to be encouraging, to be enduring during these time, tough times. I think the Golden Globe stuff kind of reminds us like the, the, the idea of otherisms. But because this movie was mostly in Korean and it was such an American movie, given all that controversy, it gave this movie like an extra oomph in terms of how American it is. It was kind of like a detest uh, or a, a re- rebuke to say, F you, Hollywood foreign press. Like, w- you know, we're freaking American. This movie is freaking American. Because it's literally about pursuing the American dream and having opportunities. I don't, again, I don't know the, the criteria is very archaic. <laughs> so I do feel how marvelous this movie was cinematic wise and story wise going up against like the invisible force of discrimination did help me appreciate this movie even more. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up this episode. Minari's wide release is on February 12th on Lunar New Year. It's the year of the ox. We highly recommend you watch it if you get a chance to. Expect to be moved. Expect to be delighted. Expect all that good stuff. Tune in next time for another episode of Real Asian Podcast. Hey there, thanks for tuning into this episode. Don't forget to follow us or subscribe to our podcast to get the latest episode now.